Hello, welcome to Subderbs Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I'm your co-host, uh, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about randomness and RNGesus. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks on what we do on this podcast? Well, you know, it's exactly what it says on the tin. We like to talk about games. Uh, yeah, today we're going to be talking about RNG, RNGesus, uh, as we all like to praise him. Because he is uh, a very contentious, I find, part of game design uh, that I think there's a, a couple of different perspectives to tackle from. But before we do that, uh, I guess, did we play some D&D mm, since last week? Uh, oh, did we, we play... didn't because Hell's Rebels was off last week. And, yeah, and, and Rune Lords was, was off, off on this. Monday. But, oh, jeez. Uh, but we did play lots of Overwatch. Yes, lots of video games in general. There was some Total War. There was some Overwatch. Yeah, I have, I have logged a pretty dumb amount of Total War so far since it was out this time. Well, actually, it, it released two hours from now last week. Or maybe, no, it's been out for 22 hours. I have 26 hours played in Total War. So, you know, one-seventh of my last week was dedicated to that game, uh, which I like a lot. And I think it's great. And I can't wait to follow up on with more podcasts. To be honest, my thing about Total War is almost, at this point, like... The four factions, five factions that they released, none of them are actually my favorite or kind of go-to factions uh, from, a, from like, a Warhammer setting. My favorite faction has always been the Wood Elves. Um, and uh, and I, so I'm, I'm almost kind of more hyped for the future version of this game that has kind of everybody, right? Uh, because I got a little, I got a little piece of it in my Empire playthrough, uh, where you know I was fighting Bretonia, and Bretonia obviously has these flying cavalry, uh, these you know the, the the Pegasus knights or whatever, and that was a huge pain, really tough to deal with kind of thing. And so it's, I I think that the game will really benefit from uh, getting more variety under its skin. Yeah, no, I, absolutely, I absolutely agree with that. Personally, my my go to race has always been the lizard men. Um, and, but they're 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 probably yeah, very far good, off. Good luck with that. Yeah, I do think that there's going to be lizardmen in the future. They've oh, said. Yeah. First of all, the game is extremely successful. It's the best-selling total war game of all time. Extremely favorably reviewed. This is probably my favorite total war game. Uh, I I haven't played it as exhaustively as kind of my second best, which would be Total War Rome Two. Yeah, I know. Yeah, hate on me, Total War fans who are going to say you know any number of other things, but. Uh, I don't know. I, I love Total War. I love Creative Assembly. I think that they're great. I think that they're really smart about their game design. And um, I think that, uh, you know, it's kind of funny how much some of those older Total War games don't really hold up for me. Yeah. Uh, and I think... Uh, yeah, yeah I, I sunk, like, my childhood, I sunk an infinite number of hours, or it seemed like that much, into Rome 1, which I loved, loved, loved to death. Um and then uh, in college, I got back into Shogun 2, which was excellent. And in Shogun 2, I started, like, I used to always auto-resolve, like, do overwhelming force auto-resolve battles in, mm -hmm. in Rome 1. And Shogun 2, I started doing the direct control thing. I'm like, oh, man, this is great. I wonder how much better Rome 1 would have been if I had taken control. And then, like, in preparation for Rome 2 coming out, I, I bought and reinstalled Rome 1. And the battles are, like, you just, like, the, 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 the AI is terrible. You can't control anything. It's like the worst. It's yeah. like, like you know. It's but it's come a long way, and you know it was it was decent at the time. I guess it required a lot more. Like literally, you'd send a phalanx to like go through a breach, and like half the time, like half the half the unit would just spend its time running into the the castle wall, 
next to the breach <laughs> in the wall. Well, so I actually think that they made a lot of very smart improvements uh, to how the battles work uh, from kind of like you know this is this is a bit of an arc because it was also in shogun 2 uh from shogun 2 through roman attila to warhammer one of the most important things i think is that the because they took a lot of power out of the unit specifically and invested it in the heroes right and then but they also made the heroes one you know singular one unit right uh, of just one person kind of a thing. They really, really cleaned up a lot of kind of the uh, weirdness and the poor design. Because one of the things that happens in Rome 2 is everybody has all of these active abilities that you kind of need to be managing, right? You know, like, your Praetorians can do this and they can do that and they have all these different active abilities. And But, you know, when you have 20 units of that, that each have their individual actives, that each have their individual timers and everything, it gets really tough to manage. Um, on top of the fact that you have this general, right? So by taking all of the, the all of those actives functionally out of those units and putting them on the general, but reducing the general in kind of uh, in kind of combat himself, he's less he's less of a single unit, and I mean he is a single unit in the in, but he's he's not like uh you know he's not a regiment that you put in your line, right? Well, he, you, he's he's an area of effect with with. He's kind of like a floating area of effect that you have to defend, kind of. Yeah, exactly, right? Um, and then you can use him, you know, obviously wizards are a different way, but, you know, I've been playing Karl Franz, Karl Franz, and uh, Grimgor Ironhide, who are very super melee-focused uh, characters. They tend to go 1v1. The yeah, I, I was going to say, War, wreck their faces. War, Warhammer swung back the other way a lot, right? Like, um, I felt like Rome and Shogun, like, your general wasn't really fighting. He was, he was, you know, he was sitting a little bit back doing doing his actions whereas the general or the the legendary lords as i as i suppose they're called in in warhammer are very much like go go fucking kick some ass do it go um yeah i mean some of them are that way um i've played balthazar geltz could not 1v1 people for his life i just had to run away with him all the time uh really and some of the other did you, yeah did, did you try it like like was, was did he get like crushed if he tried uh, yeah, he kind of got crushed, and it's also just, like, it fucks with his casting, you know what I mean? Like, he needs to, for me, Balthazar, uh, because, okay, so, here's the other thing. I don't, I also don't think that Lords, without that yellow tree of the fighting, you know, variety, right? My Carl Franz was level 30, but he was, like, 28 points deep. He's less than that. It was, like, 24 points deep in that yellow tree. Uh, okay. uh, so he was just such a fucking badass, right? I did this with I did this with Grimgore Ironhide, too. Grimgore Ironhide actually famously uh, 1v1'd a steam tank and won. Uh, and he also 1v1'd two uh, battalions of, of Empire Sword Infantry at the same time and won. Which was pretty fucking awesome. Um, but uh, Balthazar Gelt, who I was using as kind of a secondary legendary lord, like I didn't have any specific items, that kind of stuff, uh, He, I, I had to keep him back. Uh, though I also, I kitted him out with a witch hunter who was a duelist for me uh, to go kill the enemy lord. Um I just I think there's a lot of options for this kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, right? absolutely. You know, I had I had a witch hunter that was, you know, he he his he was built on slaying the enemy single lords uh, and heroes. 
Um, I also had an Empire Captain in another one of my armies that did the same thing. Uh, really, Carl Franz was the only one of my lords that I tricked out to be a combatant. Most of my other lords I tricked out in the blue tree or the red tree. Well, really the blue tree. Um, because I was chasing... I was chasing chaos through, oh, excuse me, the chaos wastes at the time. Um, and those blue tree, you know, the campaign movement speed and the reduction in chaos corruption and the reduction in, uh, you know, attrition suffered and the ability to replenish more casualties, right? Like, this is what made that kind of foray into chaos work for me, um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, speaking of new races, I hope Kislev gets its own race. Oof. Because um, I, really? I would be happy. With, I, Just because of Bear Cavalry? Yeah. Like fake Russian Bear <laughs> Cavalry. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I don't think they've had as much support in the traditional game. Because I think no, Bear Cavalry was only a mercenary out. thing. Yeah, Kislev kind of got, as, as I understand it, I don't play much of the tabletop. But Kislev got phased out with the newest, well, the newest, newest stuff is... Is, is a mess, but, like, the, the latest traditional version of the tabletop game, I think, had Kislev phased out uh, for the most part. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I definitely feel that. Uh, I also think that there are some other, you know, units. Obviously, Skaven are going to be a big deal. To me, oh, yeah. Skaven, you know, it's funny that they went with vampire counts. I was actually expecting... Uh, Skaven. Cause, yeah, yeah, because vampire counts are kind of a more minor faction, um, in my eyes, right they're, they they live in like wi- lizard man territory almost. But uh, seeing the campaign map itself uh, in Slovenia, and obviously they needed or Sylvania, um, and obviously they needed another race that could conquer human factions. Right, it's pretty clear that if Skaven were a race, they would be a race that takes ho- uh, holds from like dwarves because they're very much underground fighters in that same way. Um, yeah, so. I, I I bet you when Skaven come out like. Maybe it won't. I doubt. Excuse me. I bet you when Skaven come out, there will be a like they'll add like an underground layer or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like Skaven want to have like like a a map on the underground side to kind of like fuck around in. Um, I actually think that would be pretty sweet. Like an actual version of the Underway. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Like I. Yeah. Like I've. I've. They have it in other games. I'm. I was actually. Uh, dad to your surprise that it wasn't Skaven I was surprised that they didn't have that it was just kind of like a movement mode for the orcs and the um and the dwarves or the greenskins to, to be proper but um yeah we'll uh we'll come back to the to Total War most de- definitely we're, we're we're supposed to play it on stream at some point we'll figure out a a date and a time for that so you can all watch us uh watch Buddy be better than me at Total War <laughs> Because I have not, not put necessarily. Many, I have uh, not put I as have, many hours in. Like I, I, really. I'm sure that I dwarf your uh, your hours spent uh, at this <laughs> point. It's funny because I started with the dwarves. <laughs> um, I don't know what else have you been playing. We've both been playing a lot of Overwatch, also. Yes, uh, Overwatch. I uh, look. I'm just going to call it here, listeners. Overwatch is going to be a mainstay of uh, my kind of gaming space for oh, yeah. the foreseeable future. Um, absolutely it's a great game great social game um i wonder if it'll become stale and how long it'll be before we feel that way and how long it will be before like we'll just something to to mix it up a little bit yeah um, i i really have no idea how 
I really have no idea how they're going to handle it. Um, part of me thinks that they should... I, I'm very split on how they should kind of balance Overwatch. Part of me thinks that they should follow the League example and become a very rapid patching game. Um, where, uh, you know, balance changes and, you know, just like be just shredding out as much uh, kind of content and changes because I think that has a lot to do with the success of League. Um, when I first started playing League, there was a new champion every week, every two weeks sometimes. Uh, you know, there, there was a really long stretch kind of in the middle there where it was just like, you know, you know, like Caitlyn, Brand, Vayne, Hecarim. It's just like kept coming out and they've kind of it's like since then uh, teetered off a little bit. But... Um, Part of me thinks that that's the right way to handle it, but part of me thinks the exact opposite, right? Part of me thinks that the game is actually almost impeccably balanced right now. Like, I'm really afraid that if there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of complaining uh, going on uh, the, on Overwatch subreddit, on Twitter about it, on all these kinds of things, and I feel as though, um, whereas in a game like League, I think it's kind of okay to be super quick on balance and being really kind of uh uh you know like very much fine-tuning about it right um i think that overwatch is a game where the it's it's really tough to make those kinds of changes right because the it's so much more um dynamic i Um, I feel especially at the moment (laughs) right like you've got a lot less levers to pull in overwatch right you don't have items to, to, to rebalance, you don't have general kind of concepts, you don't have as much of a meta to shift around, plus you don't have as many uh, champions to work with, right, like, every right. time right, there's a major balance change um, certain heroes swing in and out of favor, but that's fine but you're just kind of seeing a different set of the roster being in the spotlight for the moment, and as long mm-hmm. as that keeps going, I think it's sustainable, I don't think you have as much space to, to kind of swing around in in Overwatch, and I also don't think that the type of, like, the fact that it's a class-based first-person shooter allows for that type of swinging as much, right? Like, I think the circumstances um, that make, say, in, in uh, this is the second part of that point, which is that um, the competitive scene and the casual scene are very, very, very different, I think, more so than even League, right? Like, everybody's oh, crying, like, everybody's crying about Bastion in, in low-level play, but in competitive play, none of the turret characters see any any sort of action at all. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, I think that um, making the type of changes that would make um, them, com- them viable in competitive play might do something to, to, to screw hard with, or, like, make them over... Like, you know, make them... What, what, what would you call it? Like, bronze overpowered as, mm-hmm. as, as it goes. Um, and uh, I just don't know how well people would react to that Um, i mean to be honest i i am one million percent in that camp and i think that they should take stock of their own version of this which is heroes of the storm right uh i don't think heroes of the storm i i I think okay to to give a baseline for this i think league of legends is a game that should be balanced to competitive right because i think that game is really about uh you know being it it is is a very truly competitive game right it's about being competitive and playing your very best and trying to you know what i mean like trying to play at that level right and so um they're obviously kind of uh uh 
exceptions to this rule, I think. Uh, but for the most part, right, a game like League, I you know, the lion's share of it should be balanced towards high-level play because that's what players should be aspiring to, right? That's how players should be kind of uh, allocating their, their, their resources, their mindset into becoming that high-level uh, player in League. But I don't think that, and I think this is smart of Heroes of the Storm, I don't think that Heroes of the Storm does that or wants to be that, right? I think Heroes of the Storm is specifically catching, and I think it's a very successful game, um, I think Heroes of the Storm is specifically catching the opposite of that market, right? The people who are turned off by the hyper-competitive aspects of League find Heroes of the Storm super gratifying because it is a, you know, it's kind of, it's, you know, I'm going to say low level here, but I'm really, I'm not trying to, you know, disparage the game because... I'll disparage it for you. Heroes of the Storm is for babies. Well, yeah. you know, but that's the thing, right? Like, it is. And I think that Overwatch is very <laughs> similarly for babies, right? If we're going to kind of, like, adopt oh, this huh. terminology. I don't think that Overwatch... I think Overwatch should want to be a little bit more like League, sort of, you know, so to I speak, think Overwatch right? wants to be high-level competitive. I think that's what Blizzard wants it to be. Like, I think that's the way they're angling it. Uh, I think that Blizzard has bad results when they try and get there and good results when they don't, right? I think Hearthstone, uh, for instance, you know, just as some examples, I think Hearthstone, Diablo, uh, you know, World of Warcraft, uh, these those games are at their best at the kind of their most casual, if that makes sense. Um, and I think when you go super, you know, and StarCraft Two might be kind of like the best example of this, right? StarCraft Two is their game that wants to be kind of in that league space, and you know, I don't think they did a very good job about getting it there. Um, and maybe that's you know idiosyncrasies with how people play RTSs in the modern era, you know all this other kind of stuff. But I just think that Blizzard is in general has a better track record with trying to be low level fun than trying to be high level competitive, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think. Also, that's by the true, way, I think the opposite I, goes for Riot. I think Riot fails spectacularly when they try and do low level fun, as evidenced by stuff like Dominion, right? Yeah, I, and, and and while while I understand what you're saying. Um, I think that, um, not that I think that you're particularly, uh, wrong about, like, what they're good at. I think that, that regardless of what they're good at, they're going to try and make this, make this their, their I think they're trying to recapture lightning in the ball that was Brood War and, and StarCraft 1. Um, and I think they're going to keep trying, they're going to keep trying to do that. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, fair enough. Uh, it's definitely early, it's definitely early days, uh. I, I, I definitely, I really, what I'm saying is, I think I fear for the same thing that you mentioned, right? I think Torbjorn is pretty balanced. He's frustrating to deal with, kind of at a low level. Yeah. When I, when I, you know, like when you get to high level and people hit their shots, kind of thing, right? And I can just trust my widow. You know, like Torbjorn doesn't become a problem. Bastion doesn't become a problem because they get countered by these very high level, high skill champions, right? Hanzo is amazing into these kinds of people. When I play Hanzo, I miss like all of my arrows because I'm shit, right? Um, and that's why I am good at champions like Farah, right? But a good, you know, like a quote unquote good uh, Overwatch player, Farah isn't going to be tough for for the. You know what I mean? It's really it's funny that you mentioned Hanzo because Hanzo she's like absolutely like he is literally the least picked champion in, in competitive play. Sure, but I mean like Widowmaker gets picked all over the place. Also, sure. you yes, know, champions yes. like you know Tracer, right? Uh, I see. 
I see garbage tracers constantly. Oh, yeah. They are so bad, right? Yeah, like me. Um, and I take advantage, and I, you know, I take advantage of them because I play, you know, easy no skill champions like fucking McCree, right? <laughs> um, but uh, that's a joke. I don't think McCree is a no skill champion, uh, especially because he sees a lot of competitive play too. But I think that's really only because Reinhardt is the yeah. tank that sees the most play. Uh, yeah. Now, now that we talk about kind of the meta. Um, I don't know. I, I'm really excited to see new champions for them, right? There's apparently a support sniper in the works. I don't know if you've heard about this Sombra I, or... Uh, I have heard. Fairy's I heard mom, that she maybe. was going to be be announced last Monday. That didn't yeah, I, happen. Yeah, I heard that too. That also did not happen, which kind of makes me a little bit sad. Um, um, I definitely think that the game could use a little bit more robust supports. I don't really understand. I kind of feel as though uh, it's not worth it bringing... I feel I feel as though Lucio and Mercy are required, and yeah. Symmetra and Zenyatta are just kind of they have to be off off supports. Yeah, it, it's uh it's weird too because like I I've been watching some of the more like some videos about more high level um high level Overwatch play, and like the the way it's set up is kind of like yeah, and your two supports will be Lucio and Mercy, maybe double I, Mercy. I saw. Are you talking about the King's Row video from the yeah, 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 I yeah, saw yeah. that today too, and I was literally sitting there like, wow. That's I'll link that in the crazy. description. Which is funny because I actually think you know I I think that Symmetra is you know fucking fantastic on that map. They mentioned a little bit in the beginning where she can make the microwave room on the right, but I I really think that she is just absolutely amazing on that map because I think you get a lot of benefit out of uh, I think you get a lot of benefit out of teleporters, and I think Farah is a particularly strong anti flanker. Um, because microwave rooms really fuck over Genjis and tracers and reapers. Yeah, no, I, 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 absolutely. Um, <coughs> excuse me, but uh, but yeah, uh, I just I am hopeful that balance changes will make kind of even even at, at the higher level make make some of these heroes more uh more viable. Like Symmetra, like I, I think Symmetra in particular, her as a support, I don't don't think she works out. Like twenty five shields just isn't enough. I um, think it's it's interesting because as uh, originally designed during the beta, she gave people fifty shields, yeah. which is a lot. And I and I thought it was a little bit strange too, because when when you go about nerfing Symmetra, um, I thought it was really interesting that they chose to nerf her shield value. To me, that's the thing that you want to be yeah. you want to pump a lot of her power into. Uh, I think nerfing the turrets, I think nerfing the uh, the teleporter specifically. I think the teleporter is really strong, and that if it had fewer teleports, it would be. Uh, kind of better um maybe you even nerf her damage right i think she's actually she's a deceptively high damage dealer uh especially because you don't need to aim and the way that the phase bubbles work um, yeah i think you don't i think you keep her damage where it is because um as a hero she is very kind of like inactive right like she has her shot and then she's got stationary turrets and she'll she throws on the people once and then the teleporter that she puts down mm -hmm. um like she doesn't have like a ton of active play, if that makes sense, um, and I think that you can make that much better. By or I think I think you keep the damage there because that's like the thing that she does with her with her clicks, mm -hmm. um, and her and her left click is is a is an attachable beam too, which you know isn't the most interactive thing. Um, so I think taking the damage, maybe taking the damage off the turrets, maybe taking some of the power of the teleporter, as as you said, is is the right way to go with that, rather than taking it off the shields. Um, but uh, I suppose we'll see. I'm kind of curious to see how Blizzard handles this because I think historically, 
Blizzard has been poor at doing um, the kind of like micro iterative balance changes that that Riot is good at. Oof, um, 100% agree on that. Especially, I mean, being a longtime WoW player. I was going to say, I've you probably know this, better than me. I've seen this absolutely just demolish uh, uh, games, right? You know, Winter Grasp in Wrath of the Lich King. Um, you know, just you know, they they tend to be very very strong at big sweeping changes, right? I think Blizzard, uh, every you know every pre patch to an expansion is typically great, and then kind of each iterative hotfix, each iterative balance patch, you know, like all it just it's always downhill from there until you get to rock fucking bottom, right? Where it's just like, all right, well, we're just waiting for the new expansion, then the new expansion drops and it's great again, uh, which you know. Is exactly where we are right now. Yeah, WoW. it is really exactly where we are with Overwatch. Um, no, not with Overwatch, with WoW. Oh, Overwatch well, with is WoW, still fresh. With, right, but I mean, you know, in the sense that it is fresh, they haven't oh, okay. ruined oh, it. Oh, I see right? what you're saying. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but I definitely think that if Blizzard is too strong-handed, too rough, uh, that it will uh, uh, that it will be trouble. I, I think Blizzard specifically falls into um, – making you know they they, their natural tendency is to make big big changes rather than like tiny ones right big changes in league can be like as you know they can be big stat changes right it's like oh you know 10 less 10 less health per level right it's a huge nerf in in league four but it's it's actually a very minuscule change because riot is super fine-tuny about this kind of stuff and i feel like if it were blizzard it would be like 50 you know like 50 god kind of because they uh they they tend to overblow uh, they kind of blow up everything with dynamite. Uh, and even, you know, honestly, in this Overwatch beta, I think that there's evidence of that, right? Um, in the sense of Symmetra, Symmetra losing half of all shielding that she gives out to the team. That's giant, right? That's huge. Um, I, I think part of that, though, is, is going back to what you were saying about, uh, about like, this, this game is better, or, you know, it, Blizzard is better at making the game for casuals. I think if you want to nerf a 50 health shield and your Blizzard... The number you can go to is 25, and that's about it. Like, you don't want to make it, like, 43. This isn't, like, a, you know, this this, is, this isn't, like, this isn't League of Legends with these finicky numbers and, like, Teemo ranges of units and, and whatnot. This is Overwatch, where everything's nice and round and and, and understandable and comprehensible. Hmm. Um, which I, How I th- do I feel about that? Uh, well, finish your point. Uh, I was just going to say, like, I think if they want to hit a more competitive level of play, they're probably going to have to kind of abandon that. But I think that that's a principle that, they, that they're they trying to uphold. All the numbers are, are nice and round. Um, and um, Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, though I definitely think to a certain extent they can chop it. Uh, yeah. Right. Like, you know, for instance, it wouldn't bug me if you had, let's say you had to buff May, right, who already has 250 bathe house. If you buffed May by giving her 275, that's fine to me, right? Because units of health are communicated in units of 25, right? We all get that. We all understand that. Uh, We all think that kind of, like, makes sense. But I think that that's kind of as small as you can go. I don't really think that you can afford to do... uh, versions of the game where it's like well you know may starts with 263 i don't think you can even do like that's crazy to me i think it's hard to do 265 like i think that a lot of resting health i think resting health wants to be the like the the pips they are 25 health apiece right yeah yeah i think i think 
your resting full health wants to be like a, a, an even number of pips um for things to make the like you know for things to be the most comprehensible and the most yeah no i exactly i agree but i think that there's there's smaller ways to communicate this all like sure. this kind of stuff also for instance um i think you know like re, you know reaper does like three damage per pellet if that changed to 2.25 that wouldn't bug me all that much yeah right? or if he shot 18 instead of 20 pellets that wouldn't bug me all that much or if the fall off was at a different percentage right yeah um that wouldn't yeah, bug me all that much i think all of that kind of stuff is kind of fair game um maybe on certain champions i don't think you can really go there i for instance i don't think widowmaker or hanzo can kind of afford to do weird amount of damage because to them you know it's it's a very important thing as widowmaker i know that i know that i'm doing 150 damage with each one of my fully charged shots right that's a big part of widowmaker's gameplay and balance in general um and so if you if you brought that number to something weird like let's say you brought that number to 220 or 123 right weird you know just like weird middle of the road number um then, as Widowmaker, I can snipe McCree with a headshot in one shot, but I can't snipe Reaper. I'm six health off from, you know, killing that. Yeah. That, you know, like, that's so – that that's a very weird concept, I think, um, for, for, for things. Um, um, I think – I think you're – I think what you're hitting on is, is, is true, but I think specifically with, with Hanzo and, and Widowmaker use, you have different levers you can tune with them. Like, I think – Widowmaker and Hanzo specifically, Widowmaker's charge rate on her sniper rifle and uh, Hanzo's draw rate on his bow are how yep. you are how you tune those things. I um, definitely think so. I like, also think that there are little parts that, like, how much movement speed Widowmaker loses while she is sniped, how much movement speed Hanzo loses while he is drawn, right? I don't know those numbers offhand. My guess is it's about 20% or so, but if that went up to 15 or down to 25, depending on power level, right, I think those are kind of... Those are the secret levers that can really get you uh, get you a lot of mileage in Overwatch. And I think that finding all of those kind of things for all of the champions, which shouldn't be that hard because, like I was saying before, spread, bullet fall off, right, those kinds of things. Uh, things are, that are, are they're kind of uh, invisible to the average player anyway yeah. uh, are things that can, be, that can be tuned with relatively little danger. Another um, random, uh, another random Overwatch question. Uh, so I learned the other day. I think you were in the match when I learned this that Reaper can animation cancel his reload. He has a particularly punishing reload time, but if you use the melee uh, in the middle of it, you can kind of chop it off by half or so. Um, uh, how do you feel about that kind of? Uh, how do you feel about that kind of gameplay? Ooh, uh, see, this is this 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 falls into what I call uh, or what I dislike, which is kind of like mastery for mastery's sake. Um, the kinds of things that people like. This is the example of the thing that I hated in, uh, as I famously hate in, in Dota, in Dota Two, where yep. the blink dagger goes less than maximum range if you click outside of its range, and it's seen as some sort of weird high watermark of skill if you can estimate exactly how many units you're at and kind of get that range in there in your head. Um, and I don't think that that's. I don't think it's good. Um, I think that it's a hard thing to answer because if like Reaper is made. Un- unviable by being unable to animation cancel his reload with uh with a punch then maybe you need to adjust that animation speed um mm-hmm. but i don't think i don't think that that's a useful level of skill i also like there there are a couple different ways to approach that right like you let the reload animation keep playing through the punch um and have it take the same amount of time anyway um 
I don't know how to like. There's probably some technical hurdles there that are not that are not great. Um, I, um, but there, there, that that's like a whole that that that's a whole bunch of nitty gritty stuff right there. But I don't like that. I, I I don't think that animation canceling is is a great thing. Um, in terms of like making a game understandable and making a game like a game that people want to play, like it, it's just like another useless level of. Of, of of differentiation that I, I don't think really shows if a player is better than another player if they remember to punch in the middle of their reload animation. Well, I'm glad that you say that because I basically agree. Uh, I also think that it's an important part of balance. You know, in a, in a lot of I, I think I don't think Reaper is all that unbalanced in general, right? But I think that having a punishing reload time is you know, one of those weak things to him, right? You know that if a Reaper is reloading, and his reload animation is probably the most obvious of all champions, right? That you, here's your chance. Here's your shot. You can fight Reaper now, right? Um, Whereas, and I think that, you know, the kind of on the opposite side, you have Tracer, right? Tracer has a super quick reload, reload time. It's like a second, right? Um, you know that Tracer Tracer is going to do her, you know, like, and, and then, you know, one second of reload, two seconds of firing kind of thing, right? And you kind of get that weird cadence in your head. But it's not as though that one second is an engage point for you. It's just a matter of, okay, you know, like, they're, 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 it's different gameplay for kind of both of those, for both of those champions. Um, and I think that, uh, I think that there's kind of all manner of in between in there, right? I think that Winston, for instance, has a pretty punishing reload time, uh, whereas someone like Reinhardt, who never has to reload, uh, oh, that's, but, that's an advantage. But right? you can reset Re- Reinhardt's swing with his shield, um, which is another thing that, like, is it's very similar thing, right? Like, you can pop the shield up in the middle of your swing to reset the swing and get a second swing out faster. Oh, my God. I hate that so much. That's so terrible. Oh, God. That's such bullshit. Um... Yeah, see, to me, those kinds of things, you know, it's one of those things where, man, that one's tough. That one's really tough. Because on Reinhardt, I do think being snappy on the shield is really important. It's kind of like Yasuo, right? Yasuo has no cast time on his wind wall. Uh, also, Brahm has no cast time on his shield in League of Legends, right? Because, you know, those those abilities aren't predictive. They're reactive, right? And if you have to wait, it's a quarter of a second for most cast times in the game. If you have to wait your quarter of a second to hit, uh, the, uh, you know, this, this huge defensive tool, right? Like I should be able to, you know, not even hear a repro, but I could just like see a Widowmaker get in position and open up her snipe and I can instantly react with my shield. Um, and I think, uh, you know, you know, having, being able to cancel the animation of the maze hit is part of that. Right. But I also think that you know, typically I, with reloads, I would say that it's fine to just say you don't reload any of the clip until the full animation is played, right? Until Reaper has pulled out the two new shotguns, right? And has them in firing position. The full animation is over. That's when he resets to 8 of 8. Um, but with Reinhardt, I don't think that you can wait until the exact end of the animation for the mace in order to do the damage because the mace swing is already pretty slow and if i swing my mace which takes half a second right and then it doesn't do any damage until at the end of the swing that just looks so weird and that feels yeah. so off uh so i don't know that there's a good answer for, uh, i, I for think, the I think problem. If, if you want to solve this problem in a way that makes the most sense it's just that you can't swing the hammer again until that animation would have played out 
like the shield comes up and you just can't swing the hammer again until you would be able to swing it again normally. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's a perfect solution. Or um, that, you know, actually, I think, or that the hammer, you know, the hammer arc only does damage in the arc that it travels, right? Sure. Let's say, yeah. well, God, but they, see, that's so good. I, I, th- I think that's true, and I think that's what's happening here, right? If you, you, it only takes you so long to swing to the midpoint. You swing to the midpoint, reset it with the shield, and then swing back with, swing to the midpoint again with the re- after the reset, and you don't have to wait for it to go through the whole arc. Oh, that really bugs me. That really fucking bugs me, dude. Yeah, I mean it's and, uh, and you know I think maybe at like some level that's acceptable. Like, so like the resetting the attack I don't think is great, but I think like you know you swing the hammer, you see the hammer connect, and then you instantly pop up your shield so you have maximum shield up time. I don't think I'm opposed to that. I think that that's that's a kind of neat skill cap. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't you know I it, it you know I don't have a a good cohesive kind of like you know this is good because and this is bad because it just kind of feels that way to me. I don't know how you feel about that. Man, I feel a couple of different ways about it. I also, you know, to be honest, I don't think Reinhardt... See, actually, now that I'm thinking about it some more, I think that Reinhardt not being able to pop the shield mid-animation is probably the best solution. I think that, you know, like, look, I think being snappy on the shield is important and everything, um, but I also think that Reinhardt is a character of, like, committing, if that makes sense. Yeah, because Um, with his charge... With That's his charge, true. right? With his the the whole animation on the fire thing. Yeah. Um, when a Reinhardt uses those abilities, that's a that's a window for you to go in. And I think if you made it so that his auto attack animation had to play the full thing, it's a commitment to swing your it's a commitment to swing your hammer, right? You can't half ass this. Uh, and the enemy it is clearly communicated to the enemy for this you know point seven five seconds, however long it takes to actually swing the full hammer. Um, Reinhardt is vulnerable. That's that's worth it. That's really worthwhile, I think. Um, yeah, it's really worthwhile to me. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, we've spent yeah, 40 we've spent minutes talking about Overwatch. I, oh. I, man, I'm going to mine the shit out of this topic. You know, you know. sometimes I wonder. Sometimes I'm just like, man, are we ever going to run out of time? It's been like 30 billion episodes. Uh, 30-something episodes, not 30 billion. This is episode obviously. 32 for those yeah. counting at home. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, for the loyal listeners out there. And, uh, and I'm always like, oh, man, are we going to like run out of material? We've talked about so many things. And I'd be like, but, uh, man, Overwatch is, gonna, Overwatch is adding a lot of fuel to that fire. Okay. Well, with that, I'm going to... Link into our our subject. I'm going to segue very gracefully um, by bringing up something that doesn't happen in Overwatch that uh, differentiates it from some of its predecessors, like Safety Fortress 2, and that is the fact that there are no random criticals in in, in Overwatch, um, and that random criticals in kind of the whole space of multiplayer gaming um, in TF2, in League of Legends, in uh, MOBAs and and RPGs and um, uh, kind of even like games like Civ, which maybe they're not criticals, but like the variable damage that's random, kind of causes these games to like ca- causes games to fall into this auspice of not being exactly fair. That like luck can win you something a- a- among approximately skilled people, and sometimes people care a lot, like with TF2. Sometimes people care a bit, like in League of Legends, and sometimes people seem to not care at all, like in say, so like I said, damage variation in Civilization. Um, and I think that that's kind of uh, an interesting thing to kind of uh, go into. What What do you think about uh, random criticals? In, what would you think the game would be worse, Overwatch, if it had random criticals? Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I think th- you know it's another tuning point, right? 
Um, I think adding, um, you know, having headshots, right? Which is basically a code, right? Different champions have different places for this. But it's code for weak points on certain champions. Tracer, for instance, it's her chest. Um, Winston has his power core at his back, right? Making uh, weaknesses in champions super communicable like that just makes it you know it makes it easier right i shouldn't be sitting on widowmaker just looking for body shots to uh you know to proc uh, to you know if i if i'm just like body shotting everybody because i'm just looking for you know maximum accuracy right maximum shot uptime damage uptime uh because i'm going to proc a crit once every however many times kind of thing that's bullshit Right, but when I'm playing Widowmaker and I'm incentivized to specifically go for a head, right, which is a harder target, but it's not just a harder target to hit because it's small, right? It's a harder target to hit because also if you miss, there is more room to miss by, right? If I'm if I'm aiming every one of my shots as Widowmaker at someone's, you know, at the center of someone's chest, if I'm off by you know, quote unquote, half an inch, obviously distances don't make mean all that much, but if I'm off by half an inch, I'm still gonna hit you know, right nipple, left nipple, chin, or belly button kind of thing, right? Um, if I'm off by half an inch on the headshot, well, I can go down and I can hit the center of the chest, but if I go left, right, or up, I'm just missing the shot entirely. And that, to me, is super, super precise, super good gameplay because it really, really hits uh, on on that, you know, like on the delivery of that skill cap. Yeah, no, um, absolutely. I, I agree entirely. Um, do you think that that's as much of a concern for champions that don't have that type of like that play right like uh roadhog or reaper who are very shotgun reliant um, i think that those champions are naturally less because to them you know it does it doesn't matter right sure right it's shot you know sniper rifles are about precision shotguns are about distance oh no, no, right? no absolutely I'm, I'm talking more in terms of the the, the random critical aspect like, do you think that, that, that... Oh, I see what you're saying. Uh, I mean, it affects them a little bit more, but I don't think any better, right? Especially because it's kind of like, how do you... Th- this is something that gets calculated weirdly in other games, uh, I find, where it's like, you know, how do you how do you calculate crits on a shotgun, right? If I'm firing 20 pellets, and there's a random chance of, you know, whatever it is, 25%, to crit on each one of those individual pellets, well, because I'm firing... 20 pellets every shot i'm actually just kind of baking that crit damage into my base damage right because on you know on balanced five of those you know 20 pellets are going to be crits right but if you do the opposite thing where you say that okay every you know the full blast crits or the full blast doesn't crit by their very nature it makes shotguns even crazier and weirdly bursty, uh, which is just like super, like, you know, the, it communicates that weird problem of like, why did I die in half a second to this Reaper when I, you know, I was at full HP thing. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's bad for, it's, I also don't think it, it works for other champions very well. What does it look like when Winston crits? What does it look like when Zarya crits? Um, I think it's bad for, you know, like Torbjorn, just do Torbjorn turrets randomly crit. Right? Do does all all of this stuff? Right? Uh, it, it's just it's just bad. It's just bad all around. There's no way in hell that I think random crits are good for an FPS game. All right. So to to kind of shift the, the conversation along, then, what about in league? What do you think see, about? See crits? in league, this is it. Oh, oh, crits in league. Yeah, crits. Okay. In league. So crits in league, I am actually a fan of. 
And I think I'm a fan of it because uh, specifically, you know, I'm a fan of it. And this is a very nitty gritty answer dealing with numbers. Um, You need crits in league because uh, champions, uh, specifically 80 carries, need to be able to out damage tanks, right? In League of Legends, offense always has to out damage defense kind of like on on the whole, right? Because... You know, you need team fights to end, right? And you can't have a Maokai's ability to heal ever be stronger than an AD carry's ability to, you know, deal damage though on a like a wide team team wide level, right? Um, and that this that's just basic game design. And because of how armor and stuff scales in League of Legends, um, what it what crits do from an active is first of all they allow you to kill tanks, um, which is big. But secondly, and more importantly, they really allow you to kill squishy targets fast. Uh, crits are good against tanks, and they work better against tanks. But what really, what, what really kind of makes crits shine is that as Caitlyn, I can two shot the enemy vein if she's out of position, right? And I think that from like a tactical, from a tactical perspective, where you have crits and you only have them on one, you know, on one class of champions, eighty carries, right? Uh, they're even removing crits from Triforce to get it off of bruisers like, you know, Jax and Aurelia, which I mm. think is smart. Um, and then it's kind of built into other, you know, champions kits. Obviously, Fiora has a little bit of predictable crits. Uh, Master Yi and Trindamir, who are the only four, like, kind of instances where crits interact with them differently. Um, are, oh, Garen. Uh, Garen. Uh, oh, I'm saying off-class, right? Jin, oh, okay, Jin okay, is yeah. an AD carry, but off-class, right, the right, only right, champions sorry. that deal with crits are basically the four slayers of to use their terminology, uh, which is basically Assassin, of Fiora, Master Yi, Trindamir, and Yasuo. Uh, and then the one bruiser of Garen, which I honestly find weird. I don't know. It shouldn't be on Garen. I'm just... Did, did, they, did they take it out with his update? They I did, thought, but then I they put it... it back. Uh, they took it out oh, okay. on the PBE, and it got changed, and then people were like, no, but you have to because Yomus has crit, and Yomus is really good on him. And they were like, ah, fuck it. We'll put it back in. And then Yomus got changed to, to drop the crit anyway, right? Um... um. So, so question for you then, you know, crits, you know, it, I, I see your point, but why make it a random chance on each shot? And then we, we know in league that it's not actually random chance. It's, you will, you will, you will hit it. Like if you've got 25% chance of crit, you'll hit one in every four shots or approximately one in every four shots. And the, uh, the engine behind it will kind of adjust it so that you don't get too many in a row or don't get too many flat shots in a yeah, row. Yeah. I mean, I think that's necessary. Why, why not? To be honest. Why not? Why not make those crit that crit damage amortized into the shots? Like instead of doing, you know, twenty five percent chance to do one hundred fifty percent damage, why not do a you know why not do just a, a flat like you know uh, x percent damage increase on these items so that like like uh, was it twenty five over one hundred fifty percent? It's like every shot does. Um, I'm probably going to do this math wrong fast, but like every shot does thirty seven percent more damage like, consistently. Um, because I don't think that I, I think that, okay, so there's kind of a couple pieces to this. I think it's 12%. Um, sorry. the way that crits build, right? You never build one crit item, you build two. Honestly, at this point, you build three or four. A lot of crit, a lot of AD carries end up at 70 or 100% crit builds. So you're kind of getting there anyway, right? That, that is sort of what's happening. But the crit values in League of Legends are 
particularly high compared to other games, right? If I were to compare the crit value in League of Legends to the crit value in uh, Warcraft, right? World of Warcraft, which also has random crits, and I also think, you know, to me, random crits there are built more as healer uh, because that, that game was built, you know, from a PvP perspective about kind of the interaction between damage dealing and healers, right? And so you need to have instances of weird burst damage in order to kind of keep healers on their toes uh so to speak um and crits are very problematic and wow i mean hey anybody anybody who plays pvp in that game will tell you um but uh the crit values in warcraft they're not going to get high maybe you get 40 50 percent chance if you really hardcore go for crit on like a rogue or like you know elemental shaman can sometimes kind of get there just kind of like based on how the you know how the math works and super super end game best in slot kind of uh content right uh in league of legends an 80 carry will have 50 percent crit by the mid game almost guaranteed every single game like no matter what right league builds its its uh its champions around uh you know that and in in uh, that 50% crit chance is relatively consistent right 20% crit chance with an ie in lane well you know yeah that sometimes can kind of like fuck you over but 50% when you're transitioning into those mid game team fights right crit is a th- crit is a threat on jinx right we all we all know it there's no there's kind of no questions uh, about it and i think that the frequency of that 50% is kind of what excuses it. Plus kind of all the other stuff I was talking about where like the numbers math behind everything means you kind of have to have crits uh, from a, from like a numerical standpoint. Right. But, but why, why? So you're essentially saying that it's close enough to being consistent that it works well enough. Why take that uncertainty? Why, why accept that uncertainty in any case? Why, why not just like have it have like, what is the advantage of having it be random instead of having it, having it amortized? Um, over, over the the constituent hits. Uh, I think a, like, like assume, assuming like expected DPS is about the is is exactly the same rather. Um, if you amortize it or if you do it in the, in these kind of spikes, why do we, why do we want random? Why do we want it to to hit on random spikes instead of instead of consistent? Well, because I think inconsistency is you know it can't be a good thing. I, I so I also think there's some fringe benefits to this, right? Because you have this build path of twenty percent scaling to fifty percent. Uh, someone completing an infinity edge in lane is not super punishing um, because the odds are that they're going to crit you with poke is pretty low. Right. Um, and so, you know, maybe, maybe over the course of, you know, five minutes of laning, they're going to hit you with 20 point, you know, 20 individual shots. Right. And if you were to tell me that four of those shots were crits, right, that still hits my 20%, but it's not, it's not like super oppressive in that kind of way. Whereas the, you know, in, in the way that you build it, for instance, Ash actually, I mean, Ash literally works this way, right? Uh, she gets consistent damage buildup with each point of crit that she kind of makes. Um, that, that is kind of a punishing thing. And I also think that, you know, having, your consistency go up over the course of the game is powerful, right? If my consistency is always at the exact same rate because crits don't exist and I just, you know, I'm constantly increasing by 7% or, you know, how, whatever, you know, whatever percentage yeah, it whatever, breaks whatever out to. My consistency of crits, my consistency of damage is always the same. But when you have crits, you have a 
you know, you, you have a curve, you have a consistency curve where in the early game, when your AD carry is supposed to be their weakest, right, and they really do need all that kind of farm, their consistency is low, and in the super late game, their consistency gets very, very high, and that's part of their power spike. I also think that there are ancillary benefits to crit. Uh, things like Essence Weaver don't exist without crit. Um, and the ability to make an item like Essence Reaver, uh, or even, you know, just other kind of uh, things like Static Shiv, critting, a, you know, like being able to crit minions down in a minion wave, right? Those those are ancillary benefits that aren't about teamfight DPS, but are, are things that are accomplishable with crits, right? I don't think that, I don't think that you should be able to, for instance, um, build a Static Shiv and consistently 100% of the time kill all of the minions right but i think that it's actually pretty valuable so to you know it, and it makes champs like yasuo viable um to every once in a while be able to just crit down the you know the caster minion line because your static shift proc critted if that makes sense hmm. I, I see what you're saying um i'm not sure huh I, so, so so to me the difference is is like you know, it, with, with this hypothetical change where you remove crit, Yasuo is not able to consistently knock down the caster line or, or, you know, numbers pending, he might be able to build to that point. But Well, yeah, Yasuo is actually a bad example because Yasuo is, like, the definition of consistency in crit because he gets 100% right. crit so naturally. Uh, but a good example would be, like, mid lane Tristana, right? This was actually in, in the meta for a while. You go, I played this. You go mid lane Tristana, you build static ship first item, uh, and you crit down... You know, you, like you, you know, you crit down the caster line. If you don't crit down the caster line, you take it out anyway, right? If if there's a version of that Tristana that doesn't have a crit, right? Who just definitionally takes out the caster line with one proc of the uh, static but, shiv. But she you doesn't need... take out the caster line. But, she takes out. She she never takes out the caster line, but she does more a higher percent of her damage or a higher percent of their max health than she would have before. Right. But let's okay. So let's let's like play this out to a certain extent. Let's say sure. right now I go mid lane Caitlyn, right? who doesn't have, uh, you know, Tristan also works because of the way her AoE damage on her E works, um, who doesn't have that kind of guaranteed wave clear of, let's say I don't proc the crit on the on the back caster line, um, Tristan just hits one of them and the other two die anyway. Well, Caitlyn, if I, cr if I hit that back caster line and I crit them, they're all dead, right? If I hit that back caster line and I don't crit them, now I have three minions that I need to individually attack in order to finish clearing that wave. Or I have to do, I have to spend mana uh, in order to use my wave clear ability to do that, right? In a right. world where crit cons is consistent, right? Mid lane Caitlyn is either straight up garbage, right? She can never clear that bastard, that caster line, which means that every time the enemy team pushes in, she's not going to have the ability to bring down that caster line, right? Whereas crit version of Caitlyn, look, if this Caitlyn's getting pushed in, there's still a, you know, a 30%, a 50%, or whatever percent chance that she'll be able to crit down that caster line and be able to wave clear that wave, right? And that, okay, that's, that's so, kind of what I'm describing, if that makes okay, sense. Okay, so, so, so that's, that's fair. I, I, I see your point, but why is it, like, you know, let's say you're that Caitlyn, right? And, you know, every time they push it on you, you just don't crit. Like, it just doesn't happen. Like, RNG, RNGesus is frowning on you. Maybe you stepped on a die and didn't apologize. And he has decided that you will, you're just never going to crit in that situation. Is that really, like, is, is that, like, aspect of luck really, like, a thing that we want to accept as, as, as potentially 
uh, changing the outcome of the game. Uh, I think the I think it was uh, there's been a couple of times in the LCS where like two lucky crits in a row have turned a team fight and and made and essentially decided the game right there. Is that something that's good or is is that something that's acceptable? Um, or is, is that an acceptable trade off for this kind of behavior? You're looking I actually for? don't think that all that 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 stuff is all that bad necessarily. For, you know, for instance. Um, I think in sieging scenarios, crit is also a pretty good statistic, right? Because um, it, al- it it so I think RNG in general, from a strategic standpoint, is good, right? Because if strategy is consistent, that's bad, right? You need to be able to, and I think that, and I think that this kind of as a principle holds up pretty spectacularly. Um, you need to be able to. Um, there needs to be some inconsistency in how the game is played, right? So that you don't have 100% confidence in anything you do, right? Um, there are just random variables that you have to account for on the fly. And look, and one of those random variables is the fact that they have an enemy, Caitlyn, and she has a whole bunch of traps on our turret. And I can, you know, I'm Maokai, and I can step on that trap. And, you know, maybe if I take that one trap, that's not all that, all that punishing. But if I take that trap and it's a crit that she hits me with, that's bad news, right? Um, I think that that kind of stuff is very good, right? That kind of inconsistency is what allows uh, is what allows for players to kind of like make strategic decisions. And I think that this boils down to super, super low level tactical decisions in, in stuff like the LCS, right? If I'm in a team fight and I get two super, you know, like if I get two lucky crits, quote unquote, in a row, that changes how I approach the rest of that team fight. And it should change how the enemy team approaches the rest of the team fight too, right? Um, where, you know, maybe you back off, maybe you engage because, you know, I got one or two lucky crits and holy shit, right? Like, Let's do this kind of thing. Um, and I that that's, I don't know, that's valuable. Sometimes, you know, like this happened in Cloud9 versus TSM in like the very last team fight of game five. Uh, the Corky, like a Corky missile procced a weird crit or something like that. Man, I can't remember what it was. Oh no, I think I think that there was just like one or two crits in a row from a Tristana that allowed him to get a reset that allowed them to finish up, right? Like that kind of stuff, that's random, but the game has to be at least a little bit random because it cannot be 100% consistent from a strategic perspective. Does that make sense? It, it does, but but then then help me understand this. Um why can we not apply this backwards to Overwatch? Why why is why is this why is this kind of like you have to be uncertain about certain things? Well, like it, I think TF2, you can. Up- the famous what? one was the crit rocket, but like why? Why is why are crit rockets? Why are crit rockets good coming from Tristana and bad coming from the soldier? So I think you can uh, to a certain extent, right? I think that there is strategic inconsistency in Overwatch. I just don't necessarily think that it comes, you know, it comes from crits, right? Right, but I'm just saying, like, you know, RNGesus for weapon spread is also RNGesus, right? If I sure. have high weapons, you know, you, we were, you know, we were talking about this in the kind of the context of, like, no scoping or even in the context of things, right? Like, if I'm playing Roadhog and I'm just hit, you know, I'm just plinking away with his uh, medium range scrap gun spread and i just happen to get a good spread on that that hits more people than it doesn't hit that's rng working in my favor and that's the inconsistency uh from a strategic perspective right it's the exact it's like the same principle um it's just 
Right, but so so more more directly, why is um why why is the why why is weapon spread the correct RNG here and not random criticals? I think um, to, to put it bluntly. I think because of the reason that I kind of outlined before, especially with like Widowmaker, right? Because you need to incentivize and disincentivize that kind of gameplay with how people are aiming, right? It creates a skill point to have precision. Um, and to say that if you're McCree, you know, so you know th- this is this okay, is very, yeah. this is true for McCree, right? Where like sometimes you want to you know flashbang fan the hammer and just kind of hope for the best, right? But sometimes you just want to flashbang and plop them in the head once, right? This is a very May thing to do, also, right? When you freeze someone as May, the the follow up to that is to shoot them in the in the head with with, right with uh with an icicle, and you know that's really low level mastery stuff, but it's mastery stuff. Um, I don't think that ma- you know. Weapon spread I, is not a, is not a mastery point in Overwatch. I don't really think it should be all that much, right? In in terms of like, I, I think part of what this comes down to too is um, you know, just, just to make it clear to the audience, I, I mostly agree with Buddy. I'm just playing devil's advocate because otherwise we don't really have a podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, um, I think that um, I think part of it too is that you you also don't aim your auto attacks in League of Legends, so I think it's okay to in, in, at that level of of randomness. To, to it right like your, your auto attack is always going to hit so the fact that it might do variable damage is okay in an fps that's not always true right like you're, you're not guaranteed to hit your shots um and i think that adding that kind of randomness on top of what is already supposed to be like a, a skill-based interaction like i think i would have i think it would be worse if there were like skill shots that crit in league of legends are there any i don't think there are um any skill shots that crit buddy I'm thinking. Are there? Uh, well, Master Yi's ability crits, but it's not a skill shot, obviously. Yeah. Um. And and you know maybe there's like a, a single example, but if skill shots consistently crit, I think you still have, you have the same type of problems that you have in in like TF2, where like you're like, what the fuck? That Nidley spear chunked me for tw- uh, like you know two thirds of my health randomly, literally randomly. Mm-hmm. Um. I think that that's I, I think that's like the the most important point. Of I think I think that, that I think that you kind of blur the line a little bit with stuff like executes, right? You know, because d- 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 executes are it's you can't be precise with an execute because executes are you know really finicky in like a nitpicky sense for how numbers work. Um, if my damage increases by thirty three percent. Right. Well, I can't really, you know, like I'm just making a, I'm, I'm making a ballpark. I know that he's got about half of his HP, but whether or not he has 45% of his HP or 40% of his HP changes that number to within a weird margin of error where, you know, that's kind of functionally random. And I think this is kind of why, you know, to a certain extent people get away, but it creates, you know, the, it creates that pattern almost of, I see someone is low. I see someone is missing damage and I use my execute on them. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, like, and and even even from even with all with uh, executes with indicators, um, Garen being the one that I'm thinking of is like the the way that indicator flashes is like you know high mastery. You know when when it is about when you start the animation before it actually hits the animation point. That way you ensure that you get them instead of um, missing it. Like you like like you know like if you wait the half second to get the, to get the confirm that you're going to kill them. You might they might be far enough away that you can't kill them anymore. That type of thing. You follow? Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, um, and so yeah, I, I think that's I, I think I, I think the, the, that's kind of the some of the the big things in there is that um is, is that 
it's okay to fuck with things that are otherwise guaranteed. Um, I I think I really think that's that's a big part of it. Yeah, I'm kind of drilling down just a little bit deeper on that. Um, something that League did. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware of this or not, but Dota uh, in Dota, hero attack damages have a range. It's like you know, 27 to 31 or something like that. Right, right. Um, something relatively small. League has consistent attack damage. There, there is no variation in there. Um, I, I, one of uh, far in the past, one of one of my friends who who was a bigger fan of Dota than he was of LoL, made the point that you need that variation in order for the um, say the 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 support or like the less auto attack based champions. Um, Dota also has a very different meta than League, so nothing, not everything translates one to one. So make sure that he can get a creep, creep or he can get the deny on a creep. Um, Every once in a while, even though he can't consistently do it because he might not hit the upper end of his of his damage range, um, and you can't have him have a consistently higher damage because then he'd be too powerful. Um, but like having that little variation allows for the game to kind of like allows for that that hero to survive in lane. What do you think of that? Jeez, uh, I think maybe that. Ba- I I don't know Dota well enough to really. Uh, so so the, entertain the hypothetical then that. Um, instead of doing consistent damage, all heroes did like a, a, a relatively small range of, of damage on their auto attacks. Um, well, so so in League, I think it's kind of actually important to the okay. So it, uh, this, this is this is a little bit weird. So in in Dota, I get it because denial is something that's part of that game, which is dumb, but uh, it's part of that game, and so Oof. you need to be able that's to a shot maybe have yeah. I know it really is. Um, you need to have that variation so that bad players do can't consistently deny you, and good players. Uh, or sorry, good players cannot consistently deny you, and bad players can, you know, sometimes edge out a creep anyway that they might not have otherwise gotten. But I think in League, when denial isn't really a thing, it's more important to when I shoot a creep on Caitlyn, I know that I do, you know, because it, pop, it, you know, pops up how much damage I do, right? Um, uh, that every time I see a creep at that range, I can kill it. This is actually even more of a point, specifically for mages, I find, uh, who, you know, or just other champions who don't necessarily build a ton of attack damage to uh, last hit. Uh, you know, you need to have, you need, you just need to have consistent ranges because your, your, you ha- your ability to, to last hit is, is, a, is a precision point. Um, and so that's something that should be emphasized and having those ranges... Uh, isn't it just isn't necessary? I think because there's because even though a good player will always out CS a bad player, and I think that should be the case, right? You don't have you don't need to even that gap up because you don't have denial. Where not only can a good player out CS a bad player, a good player can also deny CS from a bad player, which is rough. I think you know what I mean. I think okay, I think so you need to I think you need to narrow that gap in a world with denial basically because uh okay so 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 this is this is all random random attack damage is, is contingent upon denial in in, in the MOBA or in I guess this kind of style of the MOBA style of game then is is what you're saying this is what it boils down to yes is that, is that accurate yeah yeah oh, yeah I mean yeah yeah okay um how do you feel about random attack damages in, in other games then like to to like Civ Oh, um, see, Civ, I think you need it because that that that's a strategy thing to me for Civ, right? Um, it's also it's also in the same thing in like EU four, right? In EU four, you have dice rolls, so every time you enter a battle, each day of that battle, you roll a random dice value, right? 
Um, and that, that RNG is the kind of strategic stuff that keeps players on their toes. If I know that I'm going to break this siege after eight months of sieging guaranteed, it allows me to plan much more uh, of my war so that it's it's about, you know, and to a certain extent strategy games should be about this way, to, to, so that it's about uh, executing on that plan, right? Uh, whereas if I have to roll a siege value every month, right, and every month I get a, you know, a thing and it increases the thing, and so I might complete a siege super quickly, I might complete a siege super, you know, it might take forever, right? That That is... A strategic point for me. I have to, I I have to dedicate that army, knowing it could be there for a long time or it could be there for a short time, right? And I've definitely made you know mistakes, quote unquote, by not reacting fast enough to uh, how sieges are working uh, for or against me in that game. Civ is the same thing, right? If I know that my archers are definitely going to kill this unit. Um, then it changes the way that I play around that unit in a strategic sense. I actually think Civ does itself a dis like a disservice almost by uh, having ranges but showing the amount of damage on the enemy health bar because that's a UI thing that suggests precision but it's not precise. And so sometimes right. you get this thing where it looks like the whole health bar is going to be gone when your city attacks it but it's left with a sliver and you're like fuck what. Um, that, that thing is a little bit, but that's a UI thing to me. That's not really a, a game yeah. design. Uh, so, so, so I agree with, with what, with everything you're saying. I, I think that, they're, that it's, uh, you, you're talking to, to a significant truth of, of, of how things need to work in order for, um, essentially in, in a lot of games, other things that, that are kind of luck based, right? Like in Civ in particular, right? Like th this kind of thing is also, you know, it, it, it's one random variable and a sea of random variables, like starting position, clo closest to, say, wonders to nice tiles to, like, you know, how, how many turns you want to move your settler before you sell your first city and how much that makes a difference to you. Um, in League, I think there's a little bit, there's a, there's fewer random variables, but I think your point still holds. Um, the question then is, is when do we hit a point where, it, it's it's unacceptable. What, what when is it? When, when are we taking essentially action out of the player's hands and tossing it too much to the wind that it's frustrating? Because that definitely yeah. Happens. I mean that definitely does happen. Uh, you know, to a certain extent, I think it's kind of how players interface with RNG, if that makes sense. Um, this happens a lot in EU four for me, where I'm sitting and I'm watching the individual dice rolls of a battle pop up. And when I get good rolls, I don't I don't feel particularly good or happy about that. But when I get bad rolls, I feel really, I'm really pissed. You know what I mean? And like that, I, I or like big that just that just bugs me for some reason, and it gets under my skin uh, in a certain way. And I think that missing an eighty percent shot in XCOM. Yeah, it's that kind of thing, right? And like, look, I don't think you can have you know, like I think every shot should have ninety five percent. Uh, in XCOM, I definitely think that it falls under this strategic thing that I'm talking about. Players have to deal with that inconsistency, right? Um, and reacting to that on the fly is, you know, it's it's just that's what RNG is like most useful for is put, putting players on the back foot, making them you know make split second decisions in uh, in the heat of the moment, but. Um, yeah, there are some instances where R I, you know, I don't mind RNG. Civ, you know, I don't mind the RNG in Civ. It never bugs me that somebody gets left up with, you know, 
five HP. It's like, okay, well, he's going to get one more attack off, and then next turn I'll kill it anyway, right? I have to adjust my, you know, I have to adjust my plans a tiny bit, a little bit. It's like, okay, well, he's going to get one more attack, or I have to wait before I move into his hex, or, you know, any one of these other kinds of things. Um, But it's... uh... I I think you've hit on something fairly important, which is that signaling to the player what's RNG and what's not and how that works is 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 particularly important uh when you said that it, something that came to my mind immediately is, is is hacking in xcom 2 which is kind of shown as like a progress bar which makes it seem like if like you're better at, like like your chance of winning yeah. is kind of yeah i, I, I think that. it's terrible See, i hate that i, I definitely do too because it's that's a ui thing to me um Right. Uh, right. This is it's communication to the player. Yeah, it, de- exactly. it definitely exactly. is. Um, and I also think that uh, the RNG in a wider sense uh, can be better than that feeling. Right. I don't. I don't. From a game design perspective, I think that EU four has the right idea with those dice rolls and everything. It frustrates me, and that sucks. But it's still good game design, right? And I actually almost think that maybe, you know, and I think this is honestly what has almost turned me off from Civ. Spoiler alert. Uh, This is what has turned me off from Civ in comparison to other more kind of hardcore strategy games. I would actually say that on balance, Civ is probably one of the worst strategy games out there compared to most of the Paradox games, Total War, etc. And... uh, yeah, I don't know. That's uh, that's a that's a strong statement. That's something we're gonna have to go into deeper in another episode. I, I'm cause... sure we will. Really, I mean, really, what I mean to say is, I think this, uh, you know, this is a weird example, but uh, you know, like the other day, you mentioned a YouTube channel, Every Frame of Painting, right? Which is, you know, it's a YouTube channel. He breaks down movies by director. Uh, it's pretty good. It's pretty insightful. I like it a lot. Um, but because it's something I follow very religiously i like i follow tons of people who break down movies from like that youtube perspective in the greater context of me watching all of these kinds of videos constantly the every frame of painting videos are good but they're kind of not they're not they're you know they're not anything special or 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 uh honestly it's a little simplistic sometimes uh and i think that you know so anyway my point is there are better guys out there who do it who like but I think the only reason I think that there are better guys out there is because I'm so ingrained in this, right? For someone right. who doesn't play strategy games, Civ is probably the best strategy game they're ever going to play, and it's accessible and it's good, and they're going, "Wow, Civ Five, you know, you know, whatever, you know, whatever Civ game it was, um, that's going to kind of be enough for them." But because I am a strategy game guy and I've played, you know, Total War and I've played EU Four, which is you know the best EU Four is the best strategy game I've ever played, right? Uh, but it's also the most complicated, the most complex. It has got so much working under the skin, and it's just too daunting for uh, for a lot of people, and that's okay. Um, and so that's the perspective that I'm coming from when I say that Civ is worse than these games. Um, um I, I think I okay. So I, I'm I'm gonna gonna table it because I think there's a lot more nuance that we could go into there. Because I, I don't agree with you entirely, but I see what you're saying, and I understand why you're saying what you're saying. Um, but we'll we'll we'll, we'll, we'll we'll go into like just to kind of very just to sum it up very very quickly. I think there are things that Civ does better than the games that you're talking about, and I understand why you think like like on the whole you you feel the way that you do. But I think that there's stuff to dig. I think there's stuff to dig into there. I think that's an yeah episode. yeah you know sure. So we'll, we'll table. Yeah, it. definitely. I mean, I definitely think that there's stuff that Civ does better than a U four. 
right? Not going to argue that. Uh, but on the whole, I, I think EU4 is better. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, and so – and to wrap this up with something that we had intended to talk about but haven't actually mentioned yet, I think the kind of pie-in-the-sky uh, basically perfect example of – RNG influencing strategy in these games are these random dragons that they added, right? The uh. elemental dragons. Um, there are four types, fire, water, wind, and stone. Um, and I think aside from general balance stuff, right? You know, I, right now, uh, or I don't really know. They, they've, they've tweaked it a little bit, but at the time of release, water was overpowered. Water and stone specifically were very overpowered. Um, and then fire and wind, you know, well, water, stone, and fire. Everybody kind of agreed that wind wasn't super great or whatever. Um, but those those dragons really changed the way that you play the game. Uh, they really change. you know, like, you get... Every, every dragon is good to take, but how you deal with teams that have specific kinds of dragons is something that is actively shaped by that RNG, right? Um, there have been games where the enemy team got two... Uh, this, the, I, you know, and we won this game, but it, the enemy team got two stone dragons in a row. Uh, and then I think we got, like, a fire and we got, like, a wind, right? You know, whatever the uh, of the four dragons. and But it became a huge strategic priority for us to secure objectives in, like, objectives like Baron uh, and the Elder Dragon, which eventually spawned, um, in very clean attempts, right? Because we couldn't, you, you know, when the enemy team can just shred through Elder Dragon and shred through Baron with all that extra true damage, right? You have to make sure that, you, A, you're not fighting over the objective because they do more damage to it, which means that they can control that objective better than you. And B, if you give it to them, right, they're going to take it faster than you expect and they're going to be, uh, you know, even just from a metagame stance, they're going to be focused on that kind of thing. And so it really shaped the way that we played the game. We, we, we played a game once where we got three Wind Dragons in a row. And this is the game that actually turned me around on Wind Dragon. I used to think Wind Dragon was crap. But then I got three Wind Dragons in the game. And the feeling of incrementally being able to out-rotate people, um, not even just with the three dragons, but with the one and then the two and then the three and how we were playing the split push game, the disengage game, it was monumentally huge uh for the the kind of strategy that we approach the game with and i think that's really really great um so so from, from i'm gonna from I'm, perspective i'm gonna temper your enthusiasm for a second um i do i think that's a good i think that i think that that those are good things that happen because of this what i'm concerned about however with these random dragons and this kind of rng is the things that happen at like you know when we talk about random crits or even random damage, these things happen on a moment-to-moment -moment level, and so like you can expect over the course of the game for like you know roughly half the event, half the random events to go in your favor, and roughly half to go against, or, or you know roughly the percentage that that gets assigned to it, right? Mm -hmm. Like you get you get lucky approximately the percent of the time that you're supposed to get lucky. The issue I have with the dragons, and the and the thing that I think is going to be um, a bigger issue in, in competitive when the LCS starts back up again, is that the, which dragon spawn have the potential to to influence the game and I in a way that I think is kind of undue. Um, uh, for instance, let, let's take um, let's take two, two two hypothetical teams: one that's built for sieging, and one that's built for team fighting. Right? Um, naturally, the sieging team is going to value the earth dragon more, and the uh, the team fighting team is going to value the fire dragon more. Correct? Do you follow me so far? Uh, yeah. Um. Or rather, it's going to be better on them. Um, and 
the issue I have here is if we have a game where, let's say that we set these two teams against each other, and we have Earth, Water, and Wind spawn, and Fire never spawns. Um, red, or, uh, f- you know, Team Fight Team has to has to make sure that um, that they get Earth Dragons, or they prevent the other team from getting Earth Dragons, because it is so much more valuable on their team. And essentially what we have here is we have an opportunity for the Siege Team to make a play that will greatly increase the chances of them winning that game, whereas the ca- the the counterpoint is we have an opportunity for the the team fight team to avoid losing the game and not really up their chances in nearly as much of a fashion um, of winning the game. And because we don't have the the necessary parity, right? Like we don't we have no guarantee that the fire dragon will spawn, or even in numbers we have no guarantee that the same number of fire and earth dragons will spawn. I think you give undue, um, you, you give an undue opportunity to one team, which is based purely on luck rather than being on something that that's planned for. Like you can plan for these comps, but you can't plan which comp is going to be augmented by the dragons more. I mean, you, so I, I just I don't agree with that because dragons aren't guaranteed one way or the other, right? Look, if I'm if I'm sure, playing a siege comp. And there's a stone dragon. That's a huge get for me, right? It increases my pa- let's say just arbitrary numbers, right? Let's say my power on my siege comp is one hundred percent, and I get a stone dragon. That's going to power me up by fifteen percent. Let's say um, the enemy team, which is built for team fighting, right? Their sieging power is only going to be increased by five percent if they get the stone drake right but it, it, there's no guarantee that the siege comp is going to get that stone drake right especially and and the, see to me right but but so 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 the issue I, I see what you're saying and i think that's exactly the the, the problem right if fire like let, let's let's assume that these are kind of equal on face and that if they the fire dragon has a similar effect team uh team fight team gets a 15 percent increase in effectiveness uh siege team only gets a five percent increase in effectiveness um if the fire drake never spawns just because that's that's the way this game went. There is no fifteen percent opportunity for that for that team fight team, and that's kind of like that that that's unfair based on 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 RNG right. Like the the uh, the the siege team had more opportunities to win the game, which is an unfair thing to happen. Um, and that's totally decided by a dice roll rather than being decided by some decision I, that was made you know, by somebody. I don't somebody. think that that's true, though, because the Siege team can specifically deny – or, sorry, the, the team fight team can specifically deny the Siege team that dragon, right? Because they, can, they, they, can, they can deny them that dragon, but denying them that dragon is not the same power swing that they would get that, that – it, 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 it didn't – unbalanced power swing they effectively have to fight harder they have to prioritize that earth dragon higher and make greater sacrifices to get that that earth dragon because they will be put at a larger disadvantage if um if they give up that dragon and there is no mirrored opportunity like so like essentially uh team fight team has to throw a lot of resources into making sure uh earth dragon or siege team doesn't get stone dragon um, whereas Stone Dragon team doesn't ever have to put those resources into countering a fire dragon that never appears. Um, and they get to, uh, like, so stone, like the existence of a stone dragon and the lack of a fire dragon in this kind of face off inherently gives the siege comp a, a, a boost in terms of opportunity cost. But the, the opportunity, see the thing about that, I guess I understand from an opportunity cost perspective, sort of. 
But the, the the differential to me is kind of a wash, right? Because if if okay, if I'm the siege comp and I get that fifty percent fifteen percent power boost, really what I'm getting is a twenty percent power boost, right? Because I'm also depriving the five percent off of the enemy team fight comp, right? And so that that net is twenty percent. If I'm the fire comp, I'm still getting twenty percent, right? Because I'm depriving the fifteen off of the team fight comp, and I'm See, getting five percent for myself. Which, by the way, you know, I think that that also works into it. Wow, I'm having a weird deja vu. Have we had this kind conversation before have i explained this principle before i'm having the weirdest deja vu about it but whatever the case may be um th that that five percent even though i'm getting less benefit out of, out of it than the other team would be getting benefit out of it i'm getting relatively the same benefit i i don't i don't think i don't think it, that that i don't think the, the math works out as cleanly as you think it does because you're denying 15 percent to the other you're denying 15 percent to the other team but they have a they have a theoretical capacity of 115 percent, whereas you have a theoretical capacity of 105 percent, and you're not really like it's not like they've gone from 100 to 85 percent. They're just stuck at stuck at 100, um, and knowing that they're going to jump to 115 means that you have to fight harder for that five percent than that five percent than they will fight for the or. Than, than they so I, do so, okay. because they don't have to deny you that I think 15%. there's also some other problems here. For instance, I don't think comps are as cut and dry as that sure. typically. That, that's, right? that's fair. Siege comps, for instance, are also, uh, you know, like, you know, like, you know, I once actually wrote a whole thing about this, how there are, like, 11 different ways that you can win a game of League of Legends, and it was a bunch of different stuff, right? Like, early game bullying, late game power spikes, all that kind of stuff. Split and kill team comps versus, you know, like, pick comps uh, versus, you know, wombo combo team fight comps, all this other kind of stuff. And so there's it's not like that Stone Dragon isn't going to give a benefit to a, a, to a, a team comp of, you know all wombo combo fighters, right? But specifically, it's going to give them an advantage on the, the team that is built for it. So it also closes that gap, I think, which is a really important aspect of this, right? If I'm if I'm against uh, Fiddlesticks and Karthus, who are, you know, Fiddlesticks, Karthus, Kog'Maw, right? That's a really good objective comp. They can take Dragon super quick. They can take Baron super quick just because of how those three champions interact. Um, you... If I get two stone dragons on them, it doesn't matter that I'm running somebody who's normally really shit at, you know, taking dragons or whatever. The 20% allows me to be on their level, right? And the same thing applies, you know, look. If right, but if they get the two stone dragons, that team is so far above your level that you can barely contest it in the first place. Like, it, it like, like essentially, you know, let, let's, to use round numbers again, let's say that, that the, the comp you described is, is at, like, you know, 110% of average, average objective taking ability or average objective taking ability. Yeah. And your team's at 100. They get that extra boost. They're up to like a hundred. They're, they're up to 150. Whereas you've get that boost. You're putting yourself at 110. Maybe those numbers are wrong. Maybe it's 115. Maybe it's 120. The point being that you put, that they put themselves so far ahead of you and you have no opportunity to respond to that. You do have an like, opportunity you, to respond. To no, 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 you, 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 so you don't have the, rather there is no opportunity for you to gain that. Like there's no opportunity for you to gain that same type of advantage over them. Right. If let's, for to to counter team fighting at 110 percent you're at 100 you never have the opportunity to raise that 110 to 120 which makes you completely dominate the team fight if the fire dragon never spawns i think that's a problem and maybe this is just a theoretical problem but i think what's going to happen in the long run is that comps are going to start to mirror each other to to minimize the effects like if, if one team goes for a siege comp the other team kind of has to is going to have to too so that way 
they are affected the same ways by the random by the RNG of the dragon. Well, I don't, I don't think that's true though, because even the drag, even if the dragon is RNG, and even if it happens to favor one comp over another, right? If I'm a team fight comp and they are an objective comp and they get three stone drakes, well, you know, great for them. I'm still better at team fighting than them, right? Those stone drakes don't matter when we're fighting over the dragon pit, right? That that's I think the other half of this this whole kind of thing. If that makes sense, I think that you know, and, and you know, and like I think it also kind of pops into the opposite perspective of like, let's say I'm a C, let's say I'm a team fight comp, and they're a siege comp, um, and three fire dragons spawn, and they get all of them, and that brings them up to my level. Well, congrats. That's you know, that's exactly what I'm describing as being a good thing, right? When you strategically prioritize these dragons in different ways, it changes how you strategically look at the map. Look, if I know that they have two stone dragons, I'm going to react to the map differently than I did if I had the two stone dragons. And and, and that, that that's all true. Like like no, no, none of none of what I'm saying invalidates any of that. What happens is is, is essentially let, let's say to, to put it in very simplistic terms, let, let's say that we've got, like, a total score that represents your ability to win the map, right? Let's say this caps out at, like, you know, like, you know, let's say it's, 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 it's it hits 100, right? Because that's, that's, this is a combination of factors, right? If you siege it out, if you poke repeat, if you out-rotate, if you team fight, right? Like, these all kind of combine, and your average team, like, your average well-composed team has 100 on that number. The issue that become that comes here with this RNG is that the caps of those numbers get raised unevenly, right? So again, the siege comp versus team fight comp thing, both have about a hundred, like you know, a hundred power of winning the map. If only stone dragons spawn and no fire dragons spawn, um, the 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 map has given the um the siege comp um a hundred and fifty. Uh, capability of winning and the team fight comp only 120 or 125 or however, however you want to spin it the point is is that the one team has a measurable and bigger set of opportunities to win the game than the other team does because they can't control for this this this, this random fight. i don't think winning the game is a singular thing i think you can win the game by team fighting against a, a, a team that's built for sieging and even if that team is built you know like you can win the sure, game through like, sieging, and you can win the game through team fighting, and you can win the game through scoring neutral objectives, and you can win the game through poke, and you can you know there's you know, engage comps, disengage comps, pick comps, scaling comps, bullying comps, right? Like th there's so much variety in yes, how and each can... of these comps values each of these dragons differently, and if their particular dragon doesn't spawn or does spawn, that affects their chances to win the game, right? Which, but like, you have like, you you have the opportunity to contest these dragons to deny the enemy team the ability yes, to get those but dragons. Yes, but but denying that dragon is inherently less valuable for you in terms of making you win the game than it is for the other person. Make like, by denying your opponent getting a like a huge power spike. Yes. So yes, it, it, that is less valuable. So denying your opponent a power spike, denying your opponent a power spike is less valuable to you than gaining the same power spike for yourself. I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. Also, by the way, like and, and you know, like it's also a specific kind of power spike. It's not just you know, each of these dragons sure. isn't a specific power fight power spike in the context of winning the game some total it's a specific power spike to winning the game in a specific fashion and it, that this is what demands you change the way that you strategically look at the game and like yeah and, and i i think what we're really describing is 
the RNG can put certain teams on the front foot, right, and certain teams on the back foot, right? If I'm if I have less favorable dragons, I have to I am on the back foot, so to speak, right? And I am I am react I am being reactive more than I am being active. Uh, but in in a in a game like League where it's two sides, I think that that's kind of net power neutral because denying I just don't I just think that denying the enemy the dragon and getting it yourself even if the even if like my hypothetical potential cap is lower that doesn't matter that's potential that doesn't that's not real right um, and, um it, it, it is real though right like imagine a game where like at the beginning of the game the items available in the shop were randomized um, obviously a, a, a terrible idea. If you have a, a, a comp with an AP hero mid versus a comp with an AD hero mid and no AP items are randomly selected, you're going to be at a disadvantage, right? Like, you, you're not going to be able to compete with the enemy AD. The enemy AD. That's such a that's um, such an extreme example. I don't think it. I, it's an extreme example, but it it, it, it illustrates the, the concept, right? Like, the, the margins are much more narrow um, than, than that. But I do think that the, the margins are there and I don't think that that leads to, right, but I mean, to I'm just saying you can win play. the game through, you can win the game through stuff other than dragons. Like the ability. So, so you could, you can win the game with five teamos if the enemy team is more or, or morons. That doesn't make it a fair game. Like, like the, the ability, the, the ability to, to win the game does not necessarily mean that the game that you played was fair in the first place. I, I think it's fair in the sense that you, if, if, See, the thing about the items thing that doesn't make sense to me is there's no contest. There's no contest for it, right? There's no, there's no ability for me to react. I can choose to go after that dragon. I can choose to prioritize that, that stone dragon because I know not, – not because I think it's good for my team. Because I know how good it is for the enemy team. And if I can deny that from the enemy team, I'm making an active choice in order to prevent them from powering up. Right, right. But the item but thing that's... doesn't have a. This, this is why that that analogy doesn't work work for me. Right. So 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 essentially, what we also have there are other ways we, to we... win the game. Right. If even if they get that stone drake, I can still beat them by team fighting. Right. I can. That's... Or even if they get that fire drake, I can still you know beat them by split pushing. Right. So what you have what you have is an unbalanced objective. You have an objective that if one team takes it, gives them a fifteen percent greater chance to win the game, or you know some. Uh, if one team takes it, they have a greater chance to win the game than if the other team takes it, and that's an un- that, that's an inherently unfair advantage. Like you, you can't, you you, you can't like like th- th- that's not met together, right? Like one team, like one team taking the dragon gives them a marginal advantage, while the other team gets it gives them an extreme advantage or or something, up, or a a better advantage, and and that's definitionally unfair. I, yeah, I just don't agree. Yeah, I, I, I just don't agree I, because the, I, I think we're gonna have to agree. This yeah, it, be, you know, it's almost like circles. it's almost like blue buff, right? If I'm a mid laner that doesn't use blue buff, that blue buff is much, more, you know, like much more valuable, right? It's the same. I I can contest that blue buff. I can make sure that blue buff is less valuable. You know, I if I know the, the enemy Zareth getting a blue buff is a huge deal. I can go when I can take that blue buff from him. I can prevent him from getting that power. That it doesn't matter. It's that it doesn't matter that I'm playing Katarina and I don't need blue buffs, right? Mm. Do you see what I'm saying? I see what you're saying, but I think that's that that is like the item analogy, very imperfect because I think that the heroes are bounced around that kind of consideration. So, I mean, there, so there's I, no I, RNG. I don't, so, I don't right, think... Right. Th- but, there, like, there's no RNG in that, right? In the sense of... Um, yeah. the, in the sense of... 
when I spawn the game, I know that I'm playing Katarina. I know he's playing Zareth. I know that there are going to be right. blue buffs. I, yes, you know, exactly. Like, right, but he, that doesn't make that, it's not fair though. Right, it's the the that blue buff it's, is it's more fair because you had the opportunity to to you you had the opportunity like. We had the opportunity back in Champ Select to kind of respond to that. Oh, but I have the concern. opportunity in the game to respond to them taking that Stone Dragon by taking the Stone Dragon from them. But you don't you have the opportunity. You don't have the opportunity in Champ Select to select a team for a set of dragons that you don't know is going to appear. Right, because you have to react on the fly. Because it's, you have to react it's, on the fly to something that might inherently value, benefit the other team more than you. Which means right? that like, which means that it is like if there was a ten percent to, to deny it to them. If there was a 10% chance that, you know, blue side randomly got, like, a 15% buff on their minions, that'd be terrible, right? And, like, it, it, and the, the fact that maybe there's a switch in the middle of, there's a switch in the river that red team can go to turn it off doesn't mean that it's then a fair, it's a fair mechanic, right? Like, if... if what? <laughs> so, so, that lost me. So, 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 so follow me on this one, right? Let, let's say that every minute there's a 10% chance that... Um, the blue line, the, the blue line spawns with an extra tank minion, um, or blue side spawns with an extra tank minion. Um, that's pretty bad, right? Like the, you'd say that that's a bad thing because, because there's no, there, there, that, that just inherently favors to one side, right? Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, let's say then that I put a, uh, let's say if you take the scuttle crab on dragon side, um, as red, that 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 chance turns off. That there's no more. That there's no more fifteen percent sure. or ten percent chance of of a blue buff, right? Mm-hmm. Is is it fair and balanced then? No, but this is a different situation. That that's, I don't think it no, is. No, no, hold on, hold on. That thing is happening no matter what, right? That is active until you turn it off, right? Which is what makes that unfair. Um, the dragon is. Neither team has that dragon until that dragon is taken by that. Okay, team. okay, okay. So, okay, so let's let's change the situation then. Um, if blue team takes the scuttler, their team will spawn with uh their their, their creep lines for the duration of the scuttler will spawn with the second tank. If red team takes it, nothing happens. Is that fair? By yeah, I mean kind of by this logic, yeah. That doesn't. How is how is that fair? I, mean, I think it's horrible game design, but I think it's fair. How is how is that fair at all? That's definitely unfair. One team has greater opportunity to succeed than the other. But your opportunity to succeed is also about your opportunity to, to deny the opponent. Like, if what? you think that that's fair, I, I've got nothing left to say to you. I, I think I, you gotta I leave just, it at that. I, I, this that's is, not fair. That is like definitionally wrong. It's it, like it's because the differential, right? This is all. This isn't in a vacuum. This is all in relation to the other team. If I if I am gaining or if I am preventing them from gaining, that is still a net value that's still It's still it's of course it's still a value, it's just not as valuable. Right? Like if I I, I, I don't I just I don't I, I that's it's it's ins- that's that, that's it's literally one team has has an inherent advantage. But you can prevent them from having that advantage if you play it out, and that to but me it's is still the, an inherent advantage. Still not fair. Like if they, the, the, what, what he has greater opportunity if they to have win, more of an advantage. That means you have a greater opportunity to disadvantage them. 
right? You are no, you don't. You are hitting because them at hard. worst, at worst, if you succeed, they are just as powerful with you. If at worst you if if you if you succeed, you have an even chance. If you fail, you have a losing chance. I don't think that it breaks down that way. I don't think that it breaks down that way because I don't think winning and losing is binary like that. Like, yeah, yeah. Okay, look. If that if that team gets that those stone drakes, you you go from losing to losing harder on these objectives. But that doesn't make them better at team fights. That doesn't make them better at split pushing, right? That doesn't make right. Them, but it makes them better at things that let them avoid team fights, like how a siege comp. Yeah, works. yeah well, that's because you know strategy is a give and take, and sometimes it's going to be that way, and sometimes it's not. You can win the game uh, of League of Legends without taking a single dragon, right? That's that's a thing that can happen. A team fight team can beat a, 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 an objective team on the dragon because, hey, guess what? Team fights tend to happen in the dragon pit, right? Like, it doesn't make, you know, like... Right. So so the only way that that's fair is if team if a team fight comp is an inherently superior comp to the siege comp. It's an inherently superior comp to the siege comp at team fighting. So when you, when you right. strategically put yourself in a situation to, I'm going to contest every single fucking one of these dragons, yeah, you're going to win those team fights because you have a Mumu, Oriana, Nar, and like... You know these huge teams, right? Fight but AOE you champion. are you you are forced to go after those object. You you are forced to do those things in order to not lose the, to not put yourself on the back foot, and that incentivization in itself puts you on the back foot, right? Maybe you decide we need to pour every resource into taking the stone dragon, and instead of fighting you at the dragon pit and playing to your strengths, they tr- they trade off by taking down uh, several turrets. Uh, on on their side, and what you've gotten in return is the ability to resi- resist the next time they do that slightly better, uh, but you've still lost your turrets. Like you you you've you've it, it, it's an inherently un unfair e- equation, and and and, and yeah, we're, we're going to keep I think, talking. See, see to me, the fairness is always going to be the differential because it's always relative to the enemy team. It is. Fair because I deprived them of a huge resource, right? Something that would be but it's giant. a resource that you never have the opportunity to grab yourself. Yeah, you do. You literally no. just grabbed it in that opportunity. In that, specific it's not as valuable to you. It is as valuable to you because it also a stone dragon the value is not equal to all them. teams. That's not how it works. It is how that is how it works. No, it's not. Like you, 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 you've you've taken. Like, but one person has a greater capacity for victory than you do, and that does not make for a balanced game. I don't. I don't think that that. I just. I don't think that that's the case because I think not losing is also a part of winning. That I mean, not that's that's a weird. A I mean, look. I, I think that's a weird and a philosophical thing that also comes into it. But yeah, I think depriving your enemy of certain things and that's is absolutely also, is fair. Also that an does, advantage to you. That is absolutely true. That doesn't mean that the the, the battlefield's fair. The battlefield is fair is what we need to have. I think, okay, so maybe we're talking about fair in this connotation. Uh, like, so from, yes, I want equal opportunity to win for both teams. But, so here's, I, I guess here's really what I mean to say. I think you have equal opportunity to win. I think you have equal opportunity to win. You absolutely no, no, don't. You absolutely do. You have equal opportunity to win every game of League of Legends, no matter what random-ass dragons spawn, right? But if you lose all three of those stone drakes to the enemy siege comp, that's on you for not reacting to them taking those to taking those stone drakes to me, right? That's not that's 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 not the issue at hand. Like who who is getting good is not the issue at hand. The issue at hand is whether or not that siege comp is going to be exponentially, or maybe not exponentially, is going to be more powerful if they take the three stone dragons than if you take the three stone dragons. And that's the problem. Like, that, it, it, but, 
that just I, I don't know I the, it's disadvantaging them is also advantaging yourself they're they're it's the same but it's not part an of the equal, same. not an equal measure I I don't know I mean so uh, to a certain extent I agree like hypothetically right for instance this is kind of general wisdom that I live by it's better to flash offensively to get kills than to flash defensively to deny a kill to the enemy team hypothetically right but at the end of the day right you know like in a super larger strategic context I still flash defensively all the fucking time because the advantage of me not feeding my enemy lane opponent 300 gold by burning my cooldown of flash is yeah, like that's it's the same thing. Does that make sense? Sure, but everybody has access to flash. Right, but I'm saying so here's what I'm saying, right? The the value of those two uses of flash are different, right? In one of them, sure. in one of them I have a diff I have a I uh in one of them, I'm flashing offensively. I'm getting more value out of my flash than when I'm flashing defensively, right? But in that's that's like kind of prote- potential bullshit, right? Because the offensive value of that flash probably doesn't matter if I can save the 300 gold of saving of saving 300 gold by denying my en- the enemy team that gold is also worth it. Denying the enemy team that 10% buff to their ability to take dragons is also worth getting the stone it's dragon. It's not worth as much as they as, as they gain from it. So so like it, you, you will not be able to you your ability to win the game will not be increased by an equal measure if you take the stone dragon than if they take the stone dragon. You not have parity in object in, in, in objectives. But your ability to not lose the game is increased more significantly, if that makes sense. No, it's not. No, no, it, no, it you, you literally no, just is, you literally no, just said point, is, if, if I, what I said is correct, then what you said must be wrong. You literally just said the opposite of what I said, or you, you really said the contrapositive rather of what I said, and acted like you said something no, different. No, no, which no, no. no. The, what, this is this is what I mean, right? When I'm okay, so this is why I was trying to I was trying to explain with that flash example. When I'm using my flash that way, I'm denying the enemy 300 gold, right? I'm sure. when I have that 300 gold, I, it's better for me. And this is why using your flash offensively is better because I get to choose how best to use that 300 gold. So I have like a little extra layer of effectiveness to kind of put on the top of it. Even if I deny him that 300 gold, um, I don't get to choose how he's allocating his his gold fundamentally. Um, if not losing the game and winning the game are not the same thing, right? Preventing the enemy team from winning by taking those dragons is valuable. Winning the game by taking those dragons is also valuable, right? And so maybe it's unfair in the sense that the siege comp has more capacity to win the game because they have these stone dragons. But in my view, the team fight comp has more capacity to deny the enemy team victory by taking those stone dragons. Does that make but sense? That's n- so I see what uh, so I see what you're saying, but it's wrong because <laughs> <laughs> Oh god. Because you're not like you are not you, you are essentially denying max capacity to the like use round numbers again. One fit like you know three stone dragon siege comp team, one fifty percent, uh three stone dragon team fight team, one twenty five percent. You deny one stone dragon to them, their capacity is still one thirty five percent. Right? Like you've you you you've still not evened it out for yourself. Like you you, and, and 
in the first place, that's a problem because they had a greater chance to win the game in the first place. I, but I don't think that them winning the game is linear. That that falls apart because there are so many different avenues to win the game. Just because they're better at sieging does not mean that they are going to win the game. So that would be true if there weren't one. There weren't four dragons that spawn that specifically augmented four different ways to win the game and could potentially make those strategies more viable than all the other strategies. It's not well. Uh, I think what what. So what I'm so there's like you know a dozen ways to win League of Legends, right? right? Um. And each of these dragons augments some subset of those abilities to win the game. Sure. Right? You're not guaranteed that each one of those dragons will spawn. And so, for any random game, some subset of those ways to win the game will be will be um, strictly worse than the, than the set that is covered by the dragons that spawn. Uh, in, the, in their ability to win, the, to outright win the game. Sure. Yes. But in their ability to protect against losing the game, it's better. I, I see you're just going to keep saying that. You, you don't agree with that point? No, I don't. Not at all. I, I, not losing the game and winning the game are the same thing. That's See, that that to me is not true. I, I don't know. I, I Because I think that there is uh, – you know, this happens <laughs> – we're a little off topic. It's also a little bit long. Uh, I think we've hit – uh, yeah, we're, we're just talking in circles point. at this point. Uh, yeah, I think there's some, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't really know what else to say. <laughs> because, uh, well, yeah. Why don't you guys try to tell us <laughs> who's right? <laughs> Email us at subderpsplaygames at gmail.com. That's subderpsplaygames at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and YouTube and watch us play games on Twitch. And comment on the SoundCloud. I'll put links to everything in the description. We read everything. Um, if you have significant thoughts, let us know. Um, uh, otherwise, if you don't have significant thoughts, you can just tell us we, how we cool also you think read, we are. We also read your in- insignificant thoughts. It's okay. Yes, we, exactly. I'm we full of read. insignificant thoughts, I promise. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, do we have anything else we wanted no, to cover? No, I'm good. I am, uh, I am super solid. Follow me All on right. Twitter. Maybe uh, we we should we should figure out some way to like ah whatever um yeah uh, we'll be playing Hell's Rebels and Rise of the Rune Lords in the upcoming weeks tune in for that it'll be good I promise uh, until next time dear listeners until next time loyal listeners. <laughs>